a cost that comes with winning the Stanley Cup. Jim Rutherford's always been open about it. It's not necessarily seen right away or even a year or two after. But it's starting to show signs as it relates to the local hockey franchise. Good morning to you. Good Friday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. And this, the newly reborn DK Sports Radio Podcasting Network. This is Daily Shot of Penguins. If you're into football and or baseball, I've got Daily Shots of Steelers and Pirates as well that I hope you check out. ESPN did an exhaustive, upon reading how they put this together, breakdown of the top 100 prospects in hockey. The criteria they used is the simplest possible. If a player still has rookie eligibility, then the player can be on this list. Number one on the list is exactly who you'd expect, Alexi Lafreniere, the number one overall pick that the Rangers will be getting thanks to winning the lottery. The Rangers, of course, are coming off of having the number two overall pick the previous year in Capo Caco, and they look like they will be set for the foreseeable future. That's to say nothing of having a youngish and extraordinarily productive Artemi Panarin for many years to come, thanks to the really smart contract they signed with him. You don't care about the Rangers. You don't care about any of these other teams that I'm thumbing through on this list as I'm speaking with you. Igor Shesterkin, the goaltender for the Rangers. I forgot about him at number 10. And I'm going to keep going here. 14, here's 20, 30. Where are the Penguins? I'm still going here. Oh, wait, here's another Ranger, Vitaly Kraskov. Um, yeah, and now I'm down to 50. I see some Flyers in here, some Devils. Other players in the division, here's a 55, here's 60, and oh my goodness, there's one, 63. And here, too, it's exactly who you'd expect, Samuel Poulin. Uh, you know what I think of Poulin. I think he's got potential to be a productive NHL forward. I don't think he's going to be a star by any stretch of the imagination, He's free to prove everybody wrong. Jake Gensel was drafted in the third round and ended up scoring 40 goals. This happens all the time. Poulin's got the skating, the strength, raw strength, the frame to make an impact in the league. He's also shown a better scoring touch over the past year than what he had shown before being drafted. So that's also encouraging. I'm not here to knock Sam Poulin. He's a good, good hockey player with a good future in Pittsburgh. But he is it. Because while I was telling you that, I thumbed down the rest of the way. Out of the top 100, Sam is it. In fact, ESPN even threw seven additional honorable mentions on. Just guys who didn't make the cut. And none of those were Penguins either. Which means at least to my mind, that they don't think that much of Nathan Legare, at least not as much as some of us did in watching him with the Penguins 
at the last development camp and into training camp. That's, that's your system right now. It's not a perfect representation of it. There could still be young players who climb up and make it that are surprises. But for the most part, that's it. Hockey doesn't live by lists like this. The way baseball does with its prospect lists and the multiple levels that you have to climb just to get to the majors, you have so much clearer vision of what that player is going to be than you do in hockey where they're spread all over the world. They're all facing different types of competition in different leagues, different countries, and you have to weigh each one individually. Football takes its own lists seriously, of course, hyper-seriously, but those are draft lists. Those are before you're even somebody's property. In hockey, it's kind of the first reaction I tend to get whenever I'll mention to somebody anything related to a hockey prospect list is, oh, they do that? They do that in hockey? Yeah, they do that in hockey. So these stand out when they're formed. And this stands out that the Penguins are as poorly represented on here as they are. I've been trying to make this case for two or three years here to virtually no avail. I I can't get anyone interested in this at all. I had the discussion once, actually, with Rutherford. It was at a practice uh, in Toronto, not at at the Maple Leafs main rink, but at the Marley's rink nearby. We were just standing behind the glass behind the one net, and I was asking him if he ever had concerns or if he ever thought about switching things up, you know, and really focusing on building up the system again and trying to get his scouts some draft picks. And I really thought that I was going to get at least some kind of politically correct answer, you know, because he could tell um, what I wanted to hear, you know. Not that it matters what I want, but he for this conversation, he could tell what I wanted to hear. And he still didn't give it. He still didn't give it. He just came back with, Look out there. Who are you looking at? You're looking at Sidney Crosby. You're looking at Evgeny Malkin. He's pointing to the ice. You're looking at Chris Letang. You're looking at guys who've won two championships. What do you want me to do here? What do you want me to do? You want me to throw that out? You want these guys to wait two, three years for a system to come? And it's a good point. It's a valid point. It's hard to argue with for the most part. For the most part. But it's not universally hard to argue with. What needs to happen more than anything else when it comes to this specific topic is that Rutherford needs to cease once and for all casually sending away a second-round pick for a month and change of Patrick Marlowe. And I would say that even if Marlowe came here and was more productive than he was. He wasn't bad, by the way. A lot of people trash Marlowe's time here. He was okay. He's done. He's been done for a long time, but that shouldn't have been a news flash to anybody. A second-round pick can be with you for years, for a decade. 
and make a significant contribution, and you can lock that player in early if you like him the way the Penguins did with Brian Rust and Jake Gensel, so they become cap-friendly. None of these things are options if you just say, huh, I've got a need here on the third line for a left winger. I'm going to send this second-round pick out for a 42-year-old whose game had always been based on speed. It just doesn't, you know, it, it doesn't help. It doesn't help. And if Rutherford can't control himself on that front, then it's got to come from above. It does. As much respect as Mario Lemieux, Ron Burkle, David Morehouse have for Jim Rutherford, and it's immeasurable, there does come a time when they have to think about life, not just past the names that I just threw out at you and the Stanley Cup champions, but also life after Rutherford. He only seems like he's going to be here forever. But he's up there, and his time will come probably sooner rather than later when it comes to retiring. Somebody has to step in and say, hey, the franchise is still going to be here. And if they need any kind of convincing, whether it's of themselves or of Rutherford, they need to put their thumbs through the same exercise that mine just went through. When we come back, just one question. back it's time for just one question and that's brought to you on this program by new authentic mr rogers sweaters not kidding these exist they've been brought back to life by our friends at sun valley alpaca company that company specializes in top of the line knit apparel and these mr rogers sweaters great for both men and women, are designed to last a lifetime and have the same iconic look as Fred's original. Soft, warm, 100% pure alpaca wool, and officially licensed by the Fred Rogers Foundation. That's what I mean when I say authentic. The Mr. Rogers sweater collection is available only online. And I'm going to give you the web address here, and you're going to write it down. It's alpaca Unlimited. Com. No other punctuation. Alpaca is spelled A-L-P-A-C-A, unlimited.com. There's still time, if you hurry, to get one for Christmas or to have it shipped as a gift directly to a friend or a loved one. Let's go to today's Just One Question. It comes from Sean Sullivan, who asks, Given the changes in assistant coaches and a possible lack of player focus, do you see Mike Sullivan making any changes to his offensive-slash-defensive schemes to run this season. Did you feel my sigh there, Sean? Uh, No. No, I do not. I expect that the question will be asked, as it's usually one of the ones that I ask on the first day when I'm dealing with Sullivan, uh, he and I usually do the strategy thing a lot. I'm really kind of into hockey strategy. And I will get an answer that suggests that they are always open to modifications and 
different ways of doing things and adapting to uh, the times, the opponent, uh, rule modifications, whatever it is. And when they take to the ice, whether that's January 13 or later, you will see the Sully system. You will see the Penguins playing the game the right way, presuming they actually play it the right way. You'll see the hard forecheck. You'll see two, three sticks on every puck that they aren't possessing. You'll see lots of bodies filling the middle of the ice on defense. You'll see the same Pittsburgh Penguins system that you've seen since mid-2016. Mike Sullivan has some good traits and, like all of us, some traits that aren't so good. He is stubborn. I happen to believe over the course of time that his stubbornness with his system has been a good thing. Probably not what you thought I was going to say. Uh there are times when it's looked like the system has been exposed or figured out. Uh, in particular, uh, Barry Trotz with the Capitals, whenever they, in that one playoff series where they went on to win the Stanley Cup, meaning Washington did, seemed to really decipher the Penguins' code, uh, particularly as it related to defensemen pitching and finding ways to turn those into odd man breaks in the other direction. Sullivan made tweaks, adjustments, but mostly he just got players to be more responsible within what he felt the system already offered as a solution to what Trotz was doing. That's that's Mike Sullivan. Um, he's devout with the system that he has. He's got two rings to show for it, and he's got the talent on the ice, for the most part, to back it up in the context that it works for the players that he has, most importantly for the superstars that he has. This team will continue to be built around and structured around, meaning schematically, Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, and the other core players for the foreseeable future. So it's not as if he could just, meaning Sullivan, show up for training camp in a couple weeks and say, hey guys, we've had all this time during this pandemic. I've got this crazy new way to play the game. This is what, this is what we're going to do now. Um, it wouldn't work. It wouldn't work, in large part because you would want slash need Sid and Gino to be on board. You mentioned a, a lack of focus. To me, the lack of focus didn't have anything to do with what system the Penguins were playing. It had to do with a lack of focus. They just showed up into game one of the playoffs out of nowhere. Sure, Montreal did too, but Montreal was ready for it. Why? I don't know. I'm guessing it wasn't because of the Canadians' system under Claude Julien 
They just showed up hungry. We all saw it. We all saw it. Maybe the Penguins would have found that had they survived Montreal and had they gotten through maybe another round and all of a sudden now you're thinking, here comes another Stanley Cup and you find another level of energy and, yes, focus. But they never had that opportunity because they didn't allow themselves to have it. I put that one squarely on the players. If you're talking about some novice team that needs to get its marching orders or its focus from the head coach, that's one thing. That's not who these guys are. That's not who's in that locker room. These guys have won championships, multiple championships, and they've won them under this coach, and they've won them with this system. So, no, they're not going to change the system. Uh, But again, mark my words, Sean, and get back to me when this happens because I'm going to ask Sullivan about it on the very first day of training camp, and he will answer in some wishy-washy way just to make it sound like it's a flexible thing. It's not. It's not. Trust me. Really good stuff. Good question. Thanks for that, and thanks to everyone for listening. We'll be back on Monday. At Point Park University, in the heart of downtown Pittsburgh, they understand there's no substitute for real-world experience and career-building connections. Their innovative curriculum engages students with distinctive experiential learning opportunities. Point Park's pioneering co-op program empowers qualified students to work in full-time, paid positions with their corporate partners while earning college credits. Visit pointpark.edu works to learn more. Career ready. That's the point. Point Park University. Your front door. Your car. Your gym locker. Your gun. Safety is a habit. Learn more about how to keep guns safe and secure. Visit projectchildsafe.org.